Hello everyone, and welcome to another episode of Some People Call That Jesus. The topic and theme we'll be looking at today is the topic of language. Just a little bit of introduction, what the Bible has to say about language, about speaking, about messages and communication, and really the, the products or the outcome of language, and a few different stories that will be interesting to look at. Um, and what we'll look at first is back in the beginning of the Bible, in Genesis chapter 2, just to see where we first see evidence of language and of speaking. Um, some things that I've been learning as of late, and one is that there's a few different ways to study the Bible. One is topically, meaning you can study the Bible by different topics. You take a topic such as faith, and you look through the whole Bible, Old Testament and New Testament, looking for all the references to faith and begin to piece it together. One of the amazing things about the Bible is over all these many years and authors, you can see a uh, current themes and uh, topics that string together. And you can begin to study them that way. And that's a very helpful way called studying topically or by topic. So we're kind of doing it in that type of way and also partnering it with another principle that I've heard in terms of studying or reading the Bible. And I heard it called the principle of first reference. Meaning if you're trying to understand a particular word or topic within the Bible, go back to where it's first mentioned wherever that is, whether that's in Genesis, whether that's in Psalms, wherever it's first mentioned, begin there, because the whole Bible is purposeful. God didn't do things by accident. They're intentional. There's meaning behind it. And so when I'm looking here at language, that's what I did. And of course, they're speaking all the way back to the very beginning of the Bible itself. And I wasn't necessarily looking for the word language, but just looking for people speaking. When did humans first speak? What was the communication? What was the significance? So just to start this, we're going to take a little look at language in terms of the first words of the first man back in the book of Genesis. So in Genesis chapter 1, you have God creating the heavens and the earth. You have God speaking creation into being. He's using the spoken word. There's a power behind that in the spoken word to bring his creation into existence. And then he makes human beings, or man, Adam, in his image, with also similar traits and abilities and this importance of the spoken word and how that relates to Adam's responsibilities. So in Genesis chapter 2, you have Adam speaking. And the first reference of him speaking, it doesn't have the actual words recorded, but it has him exercising that ability that he was created with, the spoken word or language and communication. So in Genesis chapter 2, verses 19 and 20, it says this, Out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. So Adam gave names to all cattle, to all the birds of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helper comparable to him. So just really cool, without getting into any deeper significance on this, it's just the first time you see Adam speaking, not his actual recorded words, but God bringing all the creatures of the earth to Adam, and he had this responsibility of naming the animals. Whatever, whatever he called them when God brought the animal up, that was its name. He kind of assigned an identity or a label, so to speak, to every living creature. Um, so a, a really cool responsibility of man that was given this God gave him this authority and dominion over the earth and all the living creatures and said, now use this ability of speaking to give a name, to give an actual piece of language to each of these living creatures. So that's the first time we see Adam speaking or using that ability without its actual words, being created in the image of God, speaking things with a significance. And then you go a few more verses to verse 23 there in Genesis chapter 2. And just again for reference on man's first language, we have Adam's first recorded specific words. And 
We ended verse 20 seeing that he needed a helper. He did not have a helper suitable to him. And then God creates Eve, his helper, his wife, in verse 23. And this is Adam's first words. His first recorded words are about his wife, Eve, which is very powerful and significant, I'm sure for many reasons, for a topic for a different day. These are Adam's first words in verse 23. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. And in English and in the Hebrew, the word for woman sounds like man, very similar because she came out of him. And a really powerful significance to these words that bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. Very important if you want to study the topic of marriage. It's a great place to begin there. That these are Adam's first recorded words speaking of this woman, this new creation that God had made for him that is now his wife. So those are just some of Adam's first words. We're using the principle of first reference to kind of understand language, where it began, us being designed with it, because God also uses it and we're made in his image. So there's the reference to kind of start off our idea of language and the products of language. Now we're going to go to the primary story to look a little bit more at the significance of language and the problems which can arise, which are very practical and applicable to our everyday situation, and I'll highlight some real situations I've been in that I've seen these at work now. So over in Genesis chapter 11, a few pages over, you have the story of the Tower of Babel, which is a very famous and popular story, Babel or Babel. And for important context, Genesis 11 verse 1, for the whole story, especially understanding language and its role in the story, verse 1 is very significant in chapter 11, and it says, Now the whole earth had one language and one speech. So going into this circumstance and into this story, we have the context that the whole entire earth, everyone currently living on the earth after at this time, which is after the flood, has one language and one speech, which is very significant to the story, of course. So in the product of the story, you can read through those several verses explaining it. I won't go through the whole story itself, but highlighting different parts of it. So people get together and they say, we don't want to be scattered across the earth. Some references here back to our lessons learning about Cain in the first city, where he was kind of scattered abroad after his disobedience. He created the world's first city, brought people together. Here's these people again saying, we don't want to be scattered off the face of the earth. We want to build this tower. And some thoughts behind this tower of Babel that they're building is, again, this is after the time of the flood. And I've heard it put that in some ways they might have built this tower because they didn't trust God not to flood the earth again, even though he gave a promise that he wouldn't. But they didn't trust God, so they wanted their own means to escape a potential second flood. It was really to honor themselves. It says they wanted to make a name for themselves. They didn't want to be scattered but be together. So they had this city and started creating this tower called the Tower of Babel. And it's important because here is the power of one language. So that's kind of the the context of the story you might be familiar with. They begin to build this, working together, shows some disobedience to God, taking their own direction, kind of this cycle of man and its behavior being against God that we've seen just here a few times in the first 11 chapters of the Bible. Verse 6 is important because they're building this city and this tower. And it says, And the Lord said, Indeed, the people are one, and they all have one language. And this is what they begin to do. Now, nothing that they purpose to do will be withheld from them. So that's really important. God is beginning to highlight here that they're actually going about this in a successful way. They're working together. They're successfully building a city and this tower. And he highlights the context of verse 1 that we showed, that they're all in the same language. They're able to communicate clearly and effectively. They all know what each other's means. They're all using the same words in a way. Um... And it's, and it's relating to this unity and the power of one language. 
And now here's God's solution. God's trying to stop the building of this tower and uh, to confuse their plans. And here's what he does in verse 7. God says, Come, let us go down and there confuse their language so that they may not understand one another's speech. Verse 8, So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of all the earth, and they ceased building the city. Therefore its name is called Babel, or Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth, and from there the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of all the earth. To me this was very powerful as we begin to think about it more and to think of the daily applications as well. When God wanted to stop the building of their city and of their tower, you know, I think, in my own mind, I think of many ways God could have brought about a destruction to that tower or a strong wind or (laughs) something else to disrupt their plans. But all he had to do was confuse their language, which is very significant. It's not a minor thing. He came and confused their language here. And right then, they abandoned the building of the city, of the tower. They, They really, it says the Lord scattered them by doing this. But really, they scattered themselves, and the Lord confused their language. The unity stopped, the collaboration stopped, cooperation stopped, and they all kind of went their separate ways. And this is really looking at this. You could see this, or I see this as a origin of many languages. You know, we have so many languages across the face of the earth, and I see this as a point. Here was man, all humans, with one language and one speech. Then God confuses it, causing us to be scattered, cooperation effectiveness to cease and people to be spread abroad just by confusing the way that they talk to one another, which is very significant indeed. So you can see when their cooperation was gone, their purpose was gone. They abandoned the cities themselves. God didn't come down with a prophet and said, stop building this city for these and these reasons. No, he confused their language and they gave it up themselves. And I've seen this in the workplace a lot, just many examples. Many people have experienced this as well, and it could be whether it's in church, within your own home and marriage, within the workplace. I've seen so many problems at work in meetings, in situations, in relationships with clients or with coworkers, where it's simply a miscommunication or a lack of communication. So many issues came out of not communicating something clearly, or you send an email and it comes off the wrong way, um, and when you could have done it in a phone call, something like that. And it really made me think of, wow, there's so many situations. This is how significant language is that we're designed with this ability. It's absolutely necessary and helpful, but wherever you're trying to work together as a group, cooperation, collaboration, effectiveness, and unity of that group are all at risk when you can't talk the same. And I'm not even talking about the same human language. That was the case here at the Tower of Babel. But often in the workplace I've experienced, we may be saying the same words, but have different meanings, because it's not only what you say, it's what you think the word means, and sometimes people are not on the same page, and it causes a lot of dysfunction, it causes a lot of contention and arguments even, and I've seen a lot of situations not be solved in the workplace and have meeting after meeting trying to solve it because people are unable to communicate effectively what they mean, what the problem is, their idea of the solution, and it goes on and on. So communication is very important, as we know, in any relationship. So we begin to see it here, the importance of it, and how God confused it and ended their work. And for us, we need to be on the same page, have the same meaning, in order to communicate the same things to one another if we want to be unified in the church, in our homes, in the workplace. Absolutely effective. And just a little number here for you, a statistic to keep in mind. Look this up online recently. 7,151. 7,151. That is the current number of living languages. So languages being used on the earth right now. 
which is crazy to think at one time human beings, whatever the total number of people were way back then, having the same language, now there's over 7,000 living languages. Meaning, above that number, there's also some dead languages that aren't being used anymore that people once communicated with. That is a whole lot of different languages to understand and use, 7,151. And it's really cool in the Bible, it talks about this a little bit, about the significance of each language, of every voice, of every sound in the earth. And if you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, and it's 1 Corinthians 14 verse 10 that I'm pulling up here, in this chapter, it's talking about the gift of the Holy Spirit in terms of speaking in tongues and prophesying. We're not getting into all that. We're just taking a look at one verse within here to help us understand language and meaning and sounds in the world. And verse 10 says this, There are doubtless many different languages in the world, and none is without meaning. Very simple and straight to the point. None is without meaning. If you haven't been trained in it, if you haven't been taught in a particular language, it has no meaning to you. I might be able to recognize if someone's speaking Spanish, but I don't know Spanish, so I'm getting no meaning from it. So it's very important to be speaking the same language, obviously in a human language sense, but using the same terms, the same meaning, focus on the same goal when you're communicating. Otherwise, you're not going to get very far as a group when you're working together. And verse 11 there in chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians, it says, But if I do not know the meaning of the language, I will be a foreigner to the speaker and the speaker a foreigner to me. A very simple lesson in communication. We need to be on the same page. Use the same words. Make sure even, especially in your marriage, when you're describing something, when you're saying words, make sure you both know what the meaning is. What you mean when I say this. What you mean when I say this. When we want to spend quality time together in our marriage, ask my wife, what do you mean by quality time? What do I mean by quality time? Does it mean we're both sitting on the couch together reading separate books? Does it mean we go to the grocery store together, shop and talk together? Right there, you can solve problems. What do you mean by quality time? Just as one example, be on the same page, have the same definitions, the same words. It goes a long way in a relationship. And again, if it's clear, if you don't understand the language, then the words will give you no meaning in any area of life, in any application. So this is just a little bit into languages and the importance of it for us. So the last piece we'll look at here is, I've said, does the church need a language? And I'm not talking about English, Spanish, French. Obviously, there's churches across many different human languages. I'm talking about what is the, the words and the meaning and the message the church comes around. And we find this in Ephesians 4.13. I'm sure many other verses as well would highlight this for us. And Ephesians 4.13 says this about the church and, and the, the necessary unity of it. Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Really take that first part for what we're just studying here. Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. So the language of the church, in my mind or in my perspective, is the Word of God, is the Bible. And we learned from our last series here, Origins of Faith, that the knowledge of Jesus, the Bible, is what creates our faith. So if we want to come together in the same faith, for the same mission and purpose, if we want to come together in unity as a group of believers, we need to come together around the Word of God. That's where our unity and our growth will all come from. And when you go down to verse 15, I said, okay, if this is the language of the church, in, in a way, coming around the knowledge of the Word of God, this is the what we speak and the words that we follow and the meaning we have, what is the language of the individual believer? Because it's not like in everyday situations, every single word you say 
is supposed to be quoting something of scripture. No, no. We use scripture all the time, but what is the language of the individual believer? What should really define or be the scope of your communication, no matter what the situation, as a follower of Jesus each and every day, regardless of the circumstance? Ephesians 4:15, just two verses down, gives us the answer for that. And it says, but speaking the truth in love. And that summarizes it. That's kind of the filter that you can run all your communication through. Again, regardless of your relationship and the conversation you're having, as believers, our individual language is speaking the truth in love. Speaking the truth and knowledge of God's word. Again, not just quoting verses, but speak the truth in all situations through the means of love. Because you can certainly speak the truth in hate, and we're not called to do that. So again, the language of the church is the knowledge of the word of God, the Bible. The language of the believer is speaking the truth in love. And down to verse 29, the last verse we'll look at, it tells us that this is the language of the new creation. When we are born again in Jesus, by accepting his life into ours, this is the way we are to speak. Really, the way you speak has to change because there's so much significance in it. Again, think back to Adam and his ability to speak and to name things and to communicate that God gave him and how important it was for the responsibilities that God had for his life. So in verse 29, again, still there of Ephesians 4, it says, Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary building up, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And verse 31 says, And let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. So as we're transformed and we're made this new creation in Christ in the Spirit, we're to change the way that we speak. Some of our greatest evidence for how we are different and in the life that we live is the way that we communicate and speak. The knowledge of God, the truth and love, this is the language of the church and of the believer. So I hope this opened your mind a little bit to the um, necessity of language, what you communicate, how you're communicating it, and the meaning of it. And I hope you begin to study these things a little bit more to see the significance to say, hey, if I'm in any conversation or any group or any meeting, whether church or professional or personal, and I'm seeing a breakdown in cooperation and effectiveness and getting the job done, these meetings are always a mess, go back to the language you're using, to what you're communicating, what you're talking about, the shared purpose that you have. Go back to the story of the Tower of Babel in Genesis 11 and begin to see where the breakdown of unity happens around the theme of language and around the concept of language. It opens your eyes a lot to it and helps you understand the words that I say really matter and are impactful and can really change my situation, good or bad, make it helpful or not helpful really quickly. So I hope this was applicable to you and helpful. It's something I'll certainly continue to study as we go forward. So thanks for taking the time to study with me a little bit and a look into the language and the products of language. I look forward to studying again with you very soon.